Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you for listening to the Way Up North podcast. Today's conversation is with Lindsay Adler. Lindsay has a very busy schedule. She's in demand, as is our regular podcast host, Aaron Bishop. And unfortunately, we couldn't get their schedules to align with the uh, options that we had before Way Up North, which is happening on February 19th and 20th in Stockholm. So for that reason, I'm back hosting this one episode uh, to fill in for Aaron. My name is Cole Roberts. I hosted the podcast back in the day. And I hope you enjoy this 30-ish minute conversation with Lindsay. Here we go, Lindsay Adler. So let's just jump right into it. So where are you right now? Why don't you describe uh, where you're chatting to us from? Sure. I am in New York City in Manhattan, and I'm in my apartment office. And uh, I have been in New York for eight years now. So I think officially I can call myself a New Yorker. Where would you officially have been prior to that? I actually was from upstate New York. And so people that have never been to New York don't realize that the city is its its own entity. It's its own thing. It's, you know, the concrete jungle. But as soon as you drive a little bit outside of the city, it's farmland. It's countryside. So I actually grew up on a farm, though I won't pretend like I did any of the farm work. That was other family members. (laughs) But I grew up in upstate New York. Lindsay, the farm girl. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that's an interesting, interesting dynamic. Like, how did you get drawn to the big city then? Well. I I liked where I grew up, a uh, small town. It's near a city called Binghamton. There's a university there. Um, and it, it, it was nice, but it didn't have the opportunities for growth that I wanted. So basically, when I was in college, uh, I did go to college for photography and business. And I was taking this class on fashion photography. And that was the first time I had any clue of kind of what I really wanted to do with photography. And I saw the imagery and it felt like the pinnacle to me because there was storytelling and there was mood to the lighting and the styling was stunning. And I felt like everything had a greater purpose to it. And I loved that. But when I saw that that imagery, I knew that there would eventually be a ceiling of how far I could go with it in a small town. Like I could I could certainly explore that, but I would never get to, you know, the the imagery that I looked up to. So you were like 20-ish when you sort of had this epiphany? Yeah, I think I was like 20. Really, I was, I had a little bit of an inkling of it around 21, 20, but like at 22, 23 is when I'm like, yeah, fashion photography or or this world of fashion beauty is what speaks to me most. Because I actually started as a portrait photographer. Um, I'm one of those lucky people that I figured out what I wanted to do when I was a kid. Uh, I mean, I started my portrait business when I was 15. I remember what? I went, <laughs> I did. I went to the courthouse with my mom when I was 15 to fill out all the paperwork and make it official. Um, oh, really? So you, you legitimately, you weren't like, this wasn't like a lemonade stand just goofing around. Like you 
you made yeah. it official at that young of an age. Totally. And I think it, I think it's reflective of my personality, not like, oh, that I'm amazing, just that like if I pick something, I'm in it to win it or not. Like I don't I don't halfway anything, um, which is probably why like I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> like it's just photography because it's a hundred percent that all the time. Um, but yeah, so I was 15 and I started my business and I did portrait photography of all sorts. So I did, I photographed babies and weddings and I photographed families and I, I liked it, but I, I knew that there was, like, there was something else that was missing. Now, granted in the beginning, it was my technical skill, right? Like in, in the beginning, we all got to figure it out. Um, but I didn't realize it was something more. It was that, that style, that finesse, that, uh, kind of the elegance that fashion photography has. So well, we uh, don't, we like, yeah. don't need to linger on, you know, Lindsay's youth and, and go too far back into like your <laughs> life history. But like, that's a curious thing to me as a 15 year old or as a young, young teenager, like to jump into weddings and portraits and the various things that it sounds like you explored, you need to have a certain personality to be able to do that and to control a situation. So have you always been an assertive person where you could just throw yourself into a situation maybe that's foreign to you and you, you'll just adapt and you can, you can make it work? I, first of all, I've, I just want to say I've done tons of interviews and no one's ever asked me that question. So I think that's really, really good and insightful. And I'm going to say yes. Um, but here's part of why. Uh, when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14 timeframe, I did theater and I would be up on the stage playing whatever character. And I think that helped me be able to be a little bit of a chameleon if I needed to be. I could kind of adapt to a different situation. And um, I think also I was one of those kids that had an old soul. Um, I was never, I never felt like I necessarily related to the kids my age. I felt older. I related better in having conversations with adults. So I think that also made that much easier on me. Um, but it also helps to have supportive parents and family. And this is why when I meet people that tell me, you know, my husband or my family, my parents, you know, don't want me to be a photographer, it's it's heartbreaking because I while I can understand maybe where they're coming from, if my family had been discouraging, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today because you need that positive reinforcement as a kid. And, you know, like I said, my mom went to the courthouse to fill out that paperwork with me. So nowadays it's interesting because I'll meet young kids, 12, 13, that say, I want to be a photographer and looking at how little they are now, like how, how just young and, and inexperienced, I know why some adults would brush that off and be like, Oh, okay, sure. Um, but I always take them seriously and I always try to give them good advice because I remember how much I was absorbing every piece of advice any adult or any photographer would give me at that age and how much it did change me and, and the way I approach photography and my business and all of that. So uh, my own experiences, I try to try to help others with as well. So as a, a young person to, you know, make make the choice to, to go start up a business and and kind of uh, dive right in like that. Um, with photography at that time, did you sort of like see something that made you want to jump in, you know, full board like that? I, I asked that because who knows, maybe there's a young person out here listening, uh, who, who might have the same feeling inside of them, but maybe no direction. So what gave you some direction at such a young age? Sure. Well, I think 
I think how I always approach things, and I think you should approach this today, is whatever you do, whatever you choose to do, be the best at it or be the best you can be at it. And I felt that way even since I was a kid. You know, whatever I try to do, I try to try to study and try to educate myself. And now there's so many resources. And so what I did is even at those young ages, we had a professional photo organization, PPA, uh, that had an affiliate in our area. So they'd have kind of the local meetings. And so my mom knew that I was curious about what this whole photo business thing was all about. And so she took me to these meetings and it was the first time I'm like, okay, yeah, photography isn't snapping photos. Like these people run businesses. The presentations we're listening to are about business. And so it made me go, oh, if I, if I really want to do this photography thing, I better start treating it like a business now. And now was at age 15. Um, (laughs) That sounds crazy to hear. Well, it's, it's cool. It's like, it's inspiring, but I had no idea that you jumped right in at that young of an age. Well, and that's why when people say like, oh, how did you accomplish so much? I'm like, well, you know, if you devote every day for more than half of your life to something, you'd hope you'd be pretty good at it, <laughs> like, you know, make some progress. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm uh, 32 and a half. I'm, st- I'm still given the halves so that I sound young, okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I, think it, I think it makes any age sound younger when you add the half. Um, so I've been, I've had a business for more than half my life. Well, if... If you kind of like, okay, here's my outlook at at what I think of most photographers and myself included when I started and maybe yourself as well. Like you you sort of try to like boil the ocean for a while and do everything and and be everything to everyone as a photographer. And and maybe that's just curiosity thing as as you try to get experience. But eventually you come to a point where you stop and and you align 100% of your focus into, into one genre or or one direction. I think that's the smart thing to do anyways. So did that happen with you and fashion photography at a certain point? And, And if it did, like what made you kind of stop and align all of your focus on one thing? Well, it's interesting because I will say that although I devote focus to certain things, I certainly still evolve. Um, but I, I think when you start off, it's healthy to explore photography in all of its facets because I was not somebody that grew up having any desire for designer shoes, uh, caring about makeup. Like, like I would have never have thought that fashion or beauty photography would have been what called to me because those core elements didn't call to me. And so it was experimentation through years where I finally found the photography that felt like home. That That's kind of how I describe it. When I started creating fashion images, I went, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so in the beginning, I did nature photography and I, you know, just for for fun. Uh, but then I did portraits, uh, family portraits and pictures of babies. And then eventually I did some photojournalism, like, oh, maybe maybe photojournalism because I love travel. And so I tried that and I just, it it wasn't right, nor was I particularly excelling at it. Um, and so eventually when I found fashion photography, what spoke to me were, it was more the sensibilities, a lot of the, the graphic nature or, or colorful or emotive elements of it. Um, but also that I liked that there were no right or wrong answers. Uh, there was endless solutions. And I felt that in fashion photography, people were interested in unusual solutions. So Right now, uh, it was really interesting. So I, I've been going to some meetings with ad agencies recently, and uh, I actually paid for the first time I've ever done this for a portfolio review. And so what it was is 
it's a day where there's like, I think there are about 30 people um, from different major ad agencies, companies like HBO, Entertainment Weekly, like there's a whole bunch of different companies. And um, what you get is you get 15 minutes from when you sit down to when the bell rings and got to get up, you get 15 minutes with these people. And it's supposed to be a chance to uh, introduce yourself, show your work, maybe make a connection, and then maybe get some feedback. Um, And first of all, that was enlightening for other reasons. But as I was preparing for this meeting, you know, I knew I had to make my impact immediately. Um, And so I laid out and I I printed out 60 photos and uh, I laid them out on the floor and I kind of started sorting through them, trying to figure out which ones to include. And as I started grabbing the ones that spoke to me the most, the ones that I thought best showcased my vision and my talent and all of that, um, a lot of them were beauty images. And in fact, a majority of them were beauty. So focusing on lips or nails or just the beauty of the model. And it's interesting because now I've been shooting so long and I you know, brand myself as a fashion photographer. But just looking at that, I said, well, you know what? I think I need to focus more on beauty. Um, if it's speaking to me that much. So I would say I've been focused on fashion slash beauty, kind of that that world for the last nine years, about the last nine years. Uh, but beauty, really, it's been the last like year. But it, it was interesting looking at this portfolio. So I, I go to the the review and they they look at it and they go, man, you know, we can see how much control you have over lighting and the drama and the impact. But do you have anything more plain? And the reason they're saying this is, of course, if you're going to cosmetic companies and skincare, they want to see fresh and not that much makeup and, and something that with a little less, uh, a little bit less drama behind it. And so in the month of December, I put together a whole bunch of shoots. And if you look at my website now, there's an entirely new portfolio entitled Skin. And so the reason I'm mentioning this is just that I'm, I'm constantly, I'm evolving and I'm narrowing my focus even, even more. Like it, it, it's something that continues and you figure out you know, where you fit, what type of clients, um, what your style is. And so, you know, you shouldn't really focus and stop. You can focus and continue to refine. So when I, when I hear you say these things, uh, what comes to mind is, is somebody who has been doing this for 17 and a half years or 16 and a half years. When you have that breadth of experience and you you sign up for these things such as a, a portfolio review where where you should get criticized or your work should get criticized, how does your personality handle criticism? Really interesting question as well. It handles criticism from people I respect. So when, for example, when, when somebody, a, a passerby critiques, that maybe knows nothing about photography or I don't respect their work or their position. It's, you can't help it. It's kind of, who are you, you know, who are you to give that critique? But in these instances, I was ready to eat up criticism and critique and whatever they'd give me. And it was interesting because I actually think there were somewhat, some of them were helpful. Most of them were not because I sat down and I wasn't necessarily doing this. I mean, I would love to to work with them, but I would I said like looking at my portfolio, what do you feel is missing or what do you feel could be improved to make me someone you want to work with? Because that's that's the question I want answered. I don't want you to say like, "Oh, you know, I 
hate this or that. And, you know, some, some companies I sat down with said, well, your style just doesn't fit us. And that's actually fine. That doesn't mean my work's bad. It doesn't mean I should change my style. It means they're not the right client for me. Like that's, that's fine. That's also a critique that's completely valid. Don't pitch to us. We're not a good fit. Uh, but other people, it was the, you know, I like this, but I, I can't, I can't see the commercial applicability in X, Y, Z. Um, so yeah, as long as it's somebody that I respect their position and their, their knowledge and their experience, I want as much criticism as they can give me so I can figure out how to get better. It's the, you know, random, the random social media critique from someone just being a jerk. <laughs> I don't handle as well. <laughs> All right. Another one other thing, I guess it sort of ties into this a little bit that I was curious about with you is like you've built a team around you. Um, and, I, and I suppose you you don't get to to the to the level that you're you're playing at without a team around you. So starting a team takes a certain personality and a, a certain level of experience. I mean, you can't just hire someone out of the blue if you're new to the game. So when you started building a team, um, whenever that was, maybe you can let us know. Like when you started building a team, what was it about it that made you feel ready to do that? And what were the first steps that, that you took? Yeah. So first of all, I'm going to talk about the business team and then the creative team, because those both things, both those elements are important to success. Um, I, it's the business side. I was a one woman show for most of the time I owned my business. Um, I eventually got to the point, and this is a business you know, suggestion I give people, is don't try to hoard and keep your money. What I don't mean, go waste it on things and spend it willy-nilly. What I mean is, as you start to get more money from your business, hire people to do the things that are not your core competency. It's not your specialty. It's not your, your value. And so, you know, in the very beginning, I'm like, well, I suck at taxes and bookkeeping. So it's not like I'm like, oh, I need to keep this money for myself. It's like, you know what? The more time I can spend towards marketing and shooting and working with my clients, the better. So I'm going to hire someone to do the bookkeeping. So that's not a stress. And so like each, each time I'd have more money, then I would invest in somebody else that could help me better focus my time on my strengths. Um, so then the next person I hired was somebody for marketing, um, help me market more because although I enjoy it, it was in so much of my time. And then eventually I hired someone that handles, it's the, uh, kind of the, the helping plan shoots and, uh, travel and invoicing and the, in how does the in the bookkeeping in-house, all of that stuff. Um, so I don't think you should go hire somebody right away, but when you have excess money, use it to buy yourself time to do more of what you should be doing. Um, so that I hired my first employee about six years ago and my second employee about two and a half years ago. So, so that's the business. Side. So that's the business side. And we will get to the creative side in a second, but I just want to jump in and ask like, with, a, with photography businesses and the business side of photography businesses, I feel like uh, the photographers that I know and, and maybe even myself, you get caught in the, in the trap of, uh, of working in your business and not working on your business. So right. yep. for you, when you're living in New York, you're doing pretty well. 
like, how did you actually, what were you actually thinking at the moment you, you made the decision, I need to start working on the business and less in the business? Like, how did you, like, what were you thinking at that time when you made that decision? Well, I'm going to backtrack slightly and say, I think that was something I always thought about because when I went to college, I purposely got a business degree. And the reason I did that is when I was 15, when I was 16, and I went to these PPA meetings, the professional meetings, and I'd say, what's one advice that you would give me to be a professional photographer? And all of them said, treat your business like a business. Go get a business degree, go study business, take business classes, read business books. And so at 15, 16, I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And so I would attend classes on business. And that's why I got a business degree. So I did always kind of think of it that way. Um, but also as a kid, I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to spend time doing the crappy stuff, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to, I want to be shooting and I want to be interacting with people. And I, you know, I want to be doing creative problem solving, not my accounting, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was always a goal from the beginning, but I also, you know, my first apartment, um, in New York was uh, 450 square feet, which if you don't do feet, it's like, it's a room and a half. <laughs> it's quaint. It's quaint. It was tiny. <laughs> and although I, uh, although I could certainly afford a bigger apartment eventually, I lived in that apartment for more than seven years. When I had way, 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 like I had a lot more capabilities than that. Mm -hmm. But my idea was I wanted to grow my business, get it stable, get it solid, hire people to help me grow so that I could work on the business, not in the business. And then eventually that allowed me to make a ton more money, which is why I actually bought my apartment uh, last year, this past year. And so if you don't live in New York, and this is not a bragging thing, this is just a like reality business <laughs> advice thing. It's crazy expensive to do. And I would have never been able to do that if I was always trying to live at the top of my means. It, so it, it's, I mean, your whole life, you gotta, it, it, you can't really segment it as much as you think. It's the way you live and the decisions you make and the way you choose to spend your time, it all boils down to your success in the end. Um, so the, to come around to your question is basically, I, I always approached it like that. Um, that I didn't want to be working in it. I wanted to work on Interesting. it. Interesting. So not to leave your creative side hanging, um, when I think about, how do I, how do I phrase this? When I think about your type of photography and fashion beauty photography and, and just being kind of an assertive person with a vision, when you started you know, drawing people in to work with you creatively, did, did that mean that you needed to let go of some of those creative instincts that you had and, and open yourself up to the in, input of a team member or, or how did you go about hiring a team uh, on the creative side of things? All right. Also fantastic question, <laughs> because that's another question that I think gets overlooked um, that whole balance, because although I'm an assertive and more or less in control person, when I first started in fashion photography, I knew nothing about fashion photography. How would I? I mean, I didn't live in New York and I hadn't shot fashion. Like you, you start from zero. And so what I did is, I, you know, back then the social network that existed was Model Mayhem. It was Facebook. Oh, yeah. Good one. And so I 
found a wardrobe stylist on Model Mayhem. It's a social network for photographers, hairstylists, models. It's it's people that want to work on photo shoots. And so I found this wardrobe stylist and I pitched to her that we do a test. Like we shoot together to test each other's personalities and uh, creative abilities and how we do together, which means it's it's unpaid. And so I convinced her and how I convinced her was by you know, having a, a clear idea and explaining uh, the part that she would play. So, you know, I showed myself as a professional instead of just saying, hey, I want to work with you, which I'm sure they get a million times because I get it a million times. So when we did a shoot and we worked together well, the woman that I networked with, the woman that I tested with, had been in New York for 20 odd years had done styling for celebrities and magazines and all of these things. And the reason she was testing for me with me is that she wanted to do work in a slightly different direction. Um, and so she was trying to you know, work with new talent. So the reason I say this is in the beginning, I deferred to her like way too much, but also I think necessarily, like I didn't know anything. And so the first several years, my creative sensibilities, I still kind of found, you know, kind of lead the direction, but I really leaned heavily on her for what was expected and what was in and and what was uh, in next season and what magazines like and all of that stuff. And so I really leaned on her. And then I think my work was really creative for a bit. And then it was stale for a while. I don't want to say it wasn't bad. Um, just not exciting to me. It was just okay. And I think the reason is, is I let other people take the creative reins too much, uh, because I relied on her, but then I found a makeup artist who super, super talented, knew more than makeup, knew more about makeup than me. So I would just say, okay, what makeup, what should we do? So we're getting to the point where I would say, here's an idea. Hey, what makeup do we do? Hey, what clothing do we do? And then a lot of times I would be steered away from what I really intended and I lost the control and I struggled because I respected these people and their opinions. But then the shoot, I don't think was as strong because the ship needs a captain, you know, a strong captain. And so in the end, uh, I think some of the reason I've been liking my work more recently is I've been more assertive and I've led more with how the shoot is going to look this is what the shoot's going to be. I need you to find these things instead of find me stuff and then I'll see how it oh, fits yeah. in the shoot. Um, and it has been a hard transition because it's working with people that used to just do whatever they wanted. <laughs> and now I'm trying to bring it back in, and which is why I also I'm testing with some other people um, because then when I produce great work, I could take it back to the other team and say, hey, you know, listen, look, these people listen to me and I produce really good things. Um, So long story short is I started building my team um, about 10 years ago is when I started testing. Uh, And then I pretty much found the people that I work with now all the time uh, about six years ago. And the reason that it's so important is when I say, hey, I would like, um, and and I'll explain, I want that, that dewy skin that kind of, you know, picks up that shine but make sure that uh, the eye, you know, like whatever I describe and they'll know what I mean. And I certainly can use visuals, but they've worked with me so much that it saves time because we have a, a, a shorthand. They understand or I'll go, oh, remember that shoot we did for glamour, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, do makeup like that, but I want it to be a little stronger. Um, and so it's it's having a collaborative team that contributes, not just follows, you know, orders, they they bring the shoot to the next level, but also lets you lead. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like uh, it sounds like you need to be a certain personality yourself to to open yourself up to that. Um, and I don't like managing people. Like it's the same thing as we were talking about working on or in your business, managing people and, and personalities, and like that's it's a lot of work, and it's not necessarily what I want to be doing. So I I try to work with people that. I get along with and that get me because otherwise it's too much of my creative energies devoted to trying to deal with difficult personalities. Okay. I, I like, I like that you just said that because it kind of segues, um, segues into to another layer of Lindsay, if you want to say that is um, the teaching element that you, that you have, which is a big part of, of who you are online. I mean, you're an educator. So when, when I think of people who, who are quality teachers, uh, there's a quote that somebody said to me once, and it was those who can't do teach. And that's clearly not the case with you because your work speaks to yourself and, and you could let go of the education part probably altogether and still buy another apartment, for example, in New York. Cause if you'd be, you know, right. But so with the, with the education part of it and working with different personalities, which is kind of, kind of what you just said there a little bit, like you, you're great at teaching. But how did you know that you could be great at teaching and what made you want to go in that direction? Because as somebody who teaches, you're going to inevitably deal with personalities who don't gel with yours. That's, that's sort of the nature of teaching is you're going to have different, different personalities in the same room. But you as the educator need to be able to, you know, merge a bit with somebody's personality who's not like yours. So that's kind of a long-winded way of saying, like, why are you a teacher and what makes you good at it? Sure. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I am going to go back to the annoying thing of saying when I was young, I knew I liked teaching. Like I remember uh, in eighth grade, I think it was eighth grade, and we had the ability to be the teacher day. Like you could go pick a teacher and then you would prepare lessons with them and then you would teach the class for a full day. And uh, I taught my English class uh, was the one that I chose. And I just liked it. And I think part of it is I, it was part of the theater in me as well, is you're up in front of the class performing, trying to keep their, uh, you know, their engagement and keep them entertained, but also educate them. Um, and I always found that when, cause I was a nerd, um, but like a good nerd, I think <laughs> the best kind of nerd. <laughs> not terrible. Um, but like I, I was valedictorian in my high school. So like serious nerd, like I had no life and I, I actually found high school, just total side note, I found high school harder than college because I was competing so hard against myself and against, you know, my fellow classmates for that, that title. Like I didn't sleep in high school, whereas college it was 10 times easier. Uh, but anyway, I, um, I always found that because I was the nerd and did well, people would always ask me to explain things to them. And I always found that when I had to explain things, it made me understand the concept better. And so I think one of the things that so attracts me to teaching is that every time I have to teach a subject or explain something, I understand it at a completely new level, which makes me better at my job. And so if you look at when I first started teaching and when I first started shooting, I've gotten better at both, I think, exponentially, because I think they feed each other. And then I also like when I teach, if I give away all my secrets and I don't hold them close, that means I have to constantly keep pushing myself because people are going to be able to do what I, you know, what I taught. Um, so I always try to teach 
thinking of 15 year old me, the resources and things that I wish existed. What are the things that I struggled with most? Um, What are the things that took me the longest to master, the things that didn't come naturally? And how could I explain that to 15-year-old self in a way that would uh, be efficient of time? Um, Because, you know, looking back now, I didn't get good at posing for 10 years. Like, that's a long time. I would rather it take two years to be good at posing. So what could I do to have sped that up? And so that's why uh, when I teach, I keep that in mind. And I think that's ideally why it's good for those who find it good. Uh, And then I also keep in mind that there's different ways people learn. So I try to say things, I try to show things, I try to do hands-on. I try to to teach it in as many ways as possible so that if someone understands how they learn, they can take advantage of that opportunity. Fair enough. You're a pretty good speaker. eh? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and I say that kind of jokingly uh, because like, like, okay, I'm going to phrase this as best I can. You've been around the block. You've been interviewed, you've been doing creative live, you've been doing, you've been doing lots of different things. Do you think that part of your personality and just being kind of a, what seemingly is a confident person, do you think that kind of pushed your career as, as much as the photography talent part of it? Or like, do you, like, how do those two things balance one another out to put you in the place where you are today with your career? That's also an excellent question. I'm just making this shit <laughs> um, up, so thank you for saying that. No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's really convincing that it was prepared. <laughs> it was really good. Um, when I, so this gets at a slightly deeper thing, um, but perhaps, so first of all, you know, I had the, the wanting to be you know performer and liking the, the stage, and I also liked education, and I also liked photography, so obviously all those things work together. Um, but also... Like many teens, I was perhaps a bit angsty, <laughs> a bit um, troubled. Because I think when you're you're a kid, it's really hard to not know who you are, what your worth is, what you want to do. And from the very beginning, because I had photography, that's where I could place self-worth. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I, I don't think I'm the only person that can relate to this, but I, I think when you're struggling to get on your feet or struggling to become an adult. Yeah. Like you, I think you do struggle with self-worth. Like what, who am I and why would anyone care? And why should I care about myself? And so I think from the very beginning, because I had photography, it was something that said, you're good at this. People like what you do. Keep doing it. This is your value. Um, and so it's been such an integral part of my personality and my self-worth from the beginning that it, you know, it's really fed into my quality of life and then the person that I became. And so even when I wasn't confident, photography gave me confidence. And then eventually I actually became a confident person. Wow, that's, that's great. So I think the two fed each uh, that's other. That's cool. That's really great to hear. It's, it's, it's rare that you hear people and, and, you know, interact with people who give the feeling like they've found their calling and doing what they are meant to be doing. But it, it sort of feels that way with you. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I, I struggle because I want, I want to tell people how much I love my life, how much I'm doing exactly what I want to do, how happy I am not to be like, Oh, haha, Like I'm, this is great. Is if you aren't happy or aren't doing what you want to do, you, you can, you can be happy and you can do what you want to do. It's just, it's a process. It's a marathon. <laughs> 
uh, and you're working towards that end goal. And I just happened in the last couple of years to get to that last couple miles in the marathon. No, it doesn't mean the marathon's over, obviously, but uh, I, I got through the the struggling part to the the confident and happy and where I'm supposed to be part. All right. Well, this is a good good way to wind it down by asking uh, a couple couple slightly personal things. Are you a dog person? Oh my god, my dog's right next. Yeah, to like me. a curly haired dog, right? Because because yeah, <laughs> like a dog people and cat people. Like Jakob, my business partner, he's a cat person, and you're a dog person, and I I'm a neither person. So I'm not, I'm amazed at people who can live in a tiny apartment in New York with a dog. So I commend you for that. Well, it's it's no longer a tiny ah, apartment. Good, good stuff. <laughs> not, I bought a real big one now, but. The doggy, he's right next to me, and he's looking up, judging. Like I hear you talking about me. Yeah. Like, you, no, um, I, I think, I think dogs in many times are much better than people because when you walk in the door, it's that endless love and affection that sometimes you just need. Whereas you know the person might be grumpy sitting on the couch watching TV. Like <laughs> dogs are. Cool. So when you part ways with your dog, uh, in just a short while now, not too long until the event here in mm-hmm. Stockholm, like. Just to wind it down, like, what do you know about Sweden, Stockholm, uh, and what are what do you expect to to see when you get here? In case you haven't been here, well, I am lucky enough to have been to Stockholm twice in the last three years. Um, the first time I went, uh, I was presenting at Scandinavian oh, yeah, Photo, absolutely, yeah, um, and so it was nice because I was actually there for a while. And the entire, it was, it was like May or so. And the entire beginning of the trip, it rained and it rained and it rained and it rained. And then one glorious day that I happened to have off, uh, it was beautiful and sunny. And so we, uh, my, I actually brought my mom as my assistant for that, that trip. Um, and so we went out and we rode a a boat out amongst the islands and that was great. And the, uh, your photo museum is Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty special place. Oh my gosh. I don't know how we don't have one in New York, but I tell everybody if they are going to Stockholm to go there. Um, and then I went to see the Vasa Museum, and that was mind blowing. Big old boat. Just mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, but we don't have, like, you know, in the US, when something's old, it's 200 years old, you know? Like, it was just absolutely amazing. So, my plans this time though is i have one day i'm gonna try to make it over to the photo museum again like it i mean there's something new every time i think it it looks like it'll be snowing and snowing and snowing and snowing when you get here instead of raining and raining and raining and it's pretty nice it's a nice place when it's winter wonderland here so so oh that sounds nice well look we've taken more time than i expected i was i was thinking in my head okay i'll be 20 minutes with her because she's super busy and we got to get this done um so we've taken a little more time uh than planned so i thank you for that no problem and uh thank you for uh for being so open and sharing little tidbits here and there and we all look uh look forward to having you here and seeing you on the big stage uh in a short while now it's my pleasure i will see you before you know it have a nice day and enjoy cincinnati which i guess is your next trip Yeah, thanks. Bye. -bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.